You are listening to NTC Messina's podcast, where our desire as a family of God is to simply know God, love one another, and make disciples. Come on in, we'll grab our seats. So how many of you guys were with us this weekend, Friday or Saturday night? We had an awesome time celebrating our 40th anniversary, and actually tomorrow, June 21st, is the 40th anniversary of the first Sunday morning service for NTC in Messina, 40 years ago, 1981. So that's what we were celebrating this weekend. We just had an incredibly great time on Friday night. We heard from uh, our great friend Bruce McCulley. We had some leaders who uh, sent videos in. Mike Heron was here with us, and he kind of shared something, and then we heard from Our founding pastor, we're going to also hear from this morning, Tom Wells, so it was an incredible night, yes. And then uh, Saturday night, we heard from Pastor Don, uh, was back, of course, and if you were here, he was as excited as ever, and uh, what an incredible time. We heard from Adam Avery was back visiting, and uh, we heard from Dayton, who's up from Sacandaga, woohoo, and uh, also Justice Martin, and it it was just an incredible time of celebrating and remembering What has brought us to this point, but also what's going to bring us from this point into the future? Because it doesn't stop now, right? And really, um, until it was Friday night when the number 40 actually hit me, realizing the significance of that number in the Bible and what it signified for the people of Israel, what it signified at different times throughout Scripture. And really, as Elaine kind of alluded to, and just when she was speaking prophetically during worship, that this is a moment for us to step even more into all the promises that God has for us. We've seen God fulfill promises. We've seen him do great things in these last 40 years. But there's another 40 years of great things yet to come. And we get to be a part of that. Now, 40 years from now, I'll be 77. I'll be my Uncle Ron's age, so I'll still be around. Some of us may not be. But what's incredible is to think about the lineage and the legacy that God has been setting up for 40 years and for the next 40. And so we're believing for great things. We're excited for what God's doing. Uh, One thing I didn't actually get a chance to talk about last night, I'm going to talk about it right now for just a moment. But one of the things we're going to do towards the future, and as you've, you've heard me talking for years now about church planting as we're planting down in Gloversville area, and we're really looking to Augensburg is believing for God to do this great stuff. But in the North Country, um, to do those things, we have to be united in a way we've never been. And what that means is that as a family, we want to get together as churches. And so this has already been happening. It's just kind of been uh, unofficial in a way. But uh, Don, myself, Justin, Bruce McCauley from High Peaks Church, Justice Martin from Living Hope, um, Dayton down from Sacandaga, he drives the most to meet up with us. But we've been getting together about every six weeks, and we literally are just dreaming and praying and, and really even strategizing about the North Country together. Because the truth is this, we can do infinitely more together than we can apart. We can do infinitely more together with another church, with another body, with the body of Christ than we can separately. And I believe for us to see all that God wants for the North Country and beyond, that we're going to see it not just as Messina NTC, 
but as what we're calling an NTC family of churches. That we're going to pool resources. We're going to get together and go in the direction that we feel God calling us to do. And so we've talked about defining this a little bit more. And really what we're going to use is just our partnership language. If you've come here and you call yourself a partner, we have these six things that we say what it means to belong to NTC. And we say, we come together, we serve together, we stand together, we give or we grow together, we give together, and we go together. So as churches, we're just going to do that corporately. We're going to have something that we get together as a corporate body of NTC Family of Churches. In fact, the first one we're going to plan that we, I didn't get a chance to announce until now is in September on the fifth anniversary of Plattsburgh being planted. We're going to do a two-day thing, and it's going to be all of us invited. We're probably going to have to rent an auditorium in some place in Plattsburgh. But I'm going to encourage you all to take that weekend. We're going to go up on a Friday night. We're going to spend the night. We're going to celebrate Friday night and Saturday, and we're going to celebrate their fifth anniversary, not just as NTC Plattsburgh, but as an NTC family of churches, because we want to see the North Country affected together. So we're going to come together. We're going to serve each other in whatever ways we can find ways to serve in the body. And it's not just about some leaders getting together. It's about the body. And you heard it last night from Don. You heard it the first night from Tom. It's about the body being the body. It's about the church actually being what it's called to be together. And so we're really excited about what that's going to mean. You're going to hear more about that in the future. And it's going to be an awesome uh, next 40 years for the North Country and beyond. So without further ado, we would love to welcome again our founding pastor, Pastor Tom Wells. We thank you for the decision that has led to this moment for you and Gail to say yes to Messina. And uh, we're happy to have you impart into our lives again. Well, thank you, everybody. We, uh, Gail and I, it's great joy to be here. It's, it's so much fun, it feels illegal. <laughs> I was talking to someone new that I met uh, in the lobby before, and I said, coming here is tantamount to breaking into the kitchen and not just getting the spatula that has cream on it for the cake, but mom's letting you lick it all off. You know what I mean? It's just that nothing here... Everything is just, it's just an amazing feeling for us after, uh, you know, so many years. We've been gone 27 years. Uh, quickly, I was born and raised in Ogdensburg and, uh, and then went away to college. I was a Roman Catholic. I was 10 years an altar boy at St. Mary's in Notre Dame there. I went away to college unsuspectingly uh, to get a degree in physical education, and in that process, somebody witnessed to me, I accepted Christ into my life, came home, started witnessing to my family, and uh, one by one, they all got saved and got committed to a church in Rochester, worked at Kodak for a couple years, and then God opened up the door for me to come back to my home area with the intent to be involved in what God is doing up here, um, and then started, you know, being a part of that church And we moved it to Madrid, and we planted the church in Madrid uh, Christian Fellowship Center. And uh, after being there just a couple of years, the move of God started speeding up in northern New York, and we had a contingency of people from Messina that showed interest. And so we prayed about it. You know, you you pray about these things, but the writing's right there on the wall. You know what I'm saying? 
And uh, this isn't hard to figure out, everybody. Uh, you just go to the places that are responding. And we had a good contingency of people who came over here, left the church over there in 1982, April. And uh, uh, within a couple of months, we broke ground to build the original building. It was just really fast. And things started coming together, and then Cornwall, and we got involved in Malone, and, and, uh, and then, and then uh, uh, Gail and I shipped out to uh, Virginia in 1994, been there 27 years. And I just wanted to shout out to some people that are very special. Uh, John and Alice Drew, are you here? Where are they? Could you stand up? His wife is somewhere, too, back there. John and Alice, you all, no one loved them. Not only did they provide a husband for my second daughter and beautiful grandchildren, um, but they also were a part of the team. Five families relocated with us out of Messina and relocated to Williamsburg. Some of you that are newer might not know that you've probably heard about us down there, but there were families. And they came, this couple came down and served with us faithfully for a couple of years knowing that they weren't going to be there for the long haul, but came down. And so I want you to know that that, that family contributed deeply to us. And um, we wouldn't be here if it weren't for the body of Christ. Amen? Guys like Ron Hurlbut, you know what I mean? Uh, Ron Hurlbut, amazing. We go back to the Canton Road. We go back to the pre-Madrid days. Way, way back. And it's because of people like Ron Hurlbut that believed in the, the, the young upstart that I was that we were able to fend off things and see some breakthroughs and, and see the body of Christ grow. And so today's a celebration. It's a, it's, a, it's a celebration this weekend of 40 years. And it's fitting to look back, but it's also fitting to look forward, right? To move forward. And I, I want to build a little bit on the scripture that I shared on Friday night out of 2 Peter chapter 1, and um, where it says, wherefore the, ra wherefore the rather, brethren, that's King James, by the way. We make no apologies for that whatsoever. <laughs> and it says, to give diligence to make your calling and election sure. For if these things be in you and abound, you shall never fall. So the Bible seems to at least intimate to us that there's a place in our Christianity where we can continue, we're going to make it for the long haul. We don't have to become a statistic of what happened to other people maybe that we've seen, you know, kind of go uh, different routes in different places and maybe pull away from the things of God. And it, it, gives, it gives great security to us today to stand upon scriptures that says we can make it and we can be fruitful. You know, I remember when Gail and I, we first got started, we first started having our family. We were, we were in this church down in the Rochester area, and, and, and they were naysayers that said, well, you've got great kids now, but wait till they become teenagers. You know what I mean? Really encouraged us, you know? Anyway, uh, and, and, you know, our kids are not perfect today. They were never perfect, but they didn't have to go out and revel in the world for five years of deep sin to find Christ. It doesn't have to be that way. If that's part of your testimony, praise God. But if you rear your children in the Lord, you don't have to feel like they're just going to get picked off. You continue to pray. You continue to believe for them. Even if they're out there a ways in the world now, God has a way of 
you know, bringing them back. You know what I said Friday night? God has a two-by-four just big enough for your forehead that he won't kill you, but he'll get your attention. Just like Chucky Farrell when he got on those horses that couldn't be rid. After that, that horse was very compliant, genuflected almost any time a human came by. Why? Because its attention was gotten. Now, I do not suggest that you hit or beat horses uh, or that you cane your children. Although a few of you might want to send a few over. They need to be caned a little. <laughs> Anyhow, um, but God is faithful. that You can make your calling and election sure. In, in, other words, in other words, you don't have to dwell in a slippery place. And there seems to be a certain amount of responsibility on our part. As far as our theology is concerned, it's not just God doing it all. We have to cooperate with him. Okay. Wherefore, the make your calling and election. Well, it's sure. God gave it to me. Yeah, but you need to cooperate with it. The scripture says we strive according to his working. Now, the scripture doesn't say that Christianity, that you strive all the time, but you have to keep up with the grace of God in your life. And so, uh, you know, as we're looking forward to future things, I thought about what could I share with these folks that would help them in the long haul, that would help them, you know, be successful in their Christianity, be able to keep moving forward. You know, we know a bunch of people here that we knew from years ago, but not all of those people are here that were with us years ago. And we're not judging them today, but I don't want to become a statistic I want to grow. Peter seemed to feel that a portion of his ministry should be to remind people of the former things. So we don't always have to come up with a new word. We just need to be reminded because remember, the word of God, the word of God is alive and powerful and sharper than a two-edged sword. It's the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. And so when you hold up the word of God, the Holy Spirit begins to reflect on it, and it looks like white light, but if you put up a prism over here, you got all these colors. And God begins to define to your life what he's saying in this moment. So the scripture that you've read 186 times today can have poignancy and meaning and depth for your life because he's speaking to you today. Today is the day of the Lord. We're on June 20th. This is the longest day of the year. Lots of light. As I was driving up here, we live a little bit farther south. The days are a little bit shorter. I'm kind of a freak about that stuff. Our sun sets down there, the latest at 826. Yours is 852. You get more light up here. And I was watching the sun as I drove up here, and I was driving around, and the sun seems to get to a certain point, and it just won't set. It hangs there. Then there's other times of the year, as soon as the sun hits the sunset, it just drops. We're living in a day of great illumination and light. God has a big dimmer switch in heaven and he's turning it up towards the end of the age. More power, more release, more release of destiny. So we don't have to be those that, that go back to the former things. The scripture here talks about being short-sighted. They forgot that they were cleansed from their old sins. I call that spiritual regression, where a person pulls away. See, the word of God is timeless. The word of God does not need any defense. The word of God 
is not subject to fads. It's not subject to cultural swings or human behavior. It works in every culture, in every time period. It's divinely inoculated from anything human, although over 1,600 years, it was written by man. Very interesting. My first church, I had my grandpa, my father, my oldest brother. We, 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 had, we had, and we had children. We had four generations in one church. And what worked for me as a college kid, wild, down at Brockport State near Rochester, worked for my grandpa, who was 68 years old. And so the Word of God, and we all know this, but the Word of God is for every generation. And the Word of God is, is perfectly fitted, listen to this, it's perfectly fitted to meet every need that you have. When the revelation of Scripture comes to your heart and it hits a believing heart, what, it thoroughly equips you for everything to live successfully. The scriptures anticipated the pandemic. There's no sweat on God's brow up in heaven. Oh, I didn't think of that. The word of God comes to you and it illuminates. It helps you. Now, over in the book of Revelation, I'm going somewhere with this. The first church that is ministered to in Revelation chapter 2 is the church at Ephesus. And it says, unto the angel of the church of Ephesus write, these things says he that holds the seven stars in his right hand who walks in the midst of the seven golden candlesticks. I know your works, I know your labor, I know your patience, and how you cannot bear them that are evil, and you've tried them which say that they are apostles and they are not, you found them to be liars, and has borne and has had patience, and for my name's sake has labored and has not fainted. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against you because you have left your first love. Remember, therefore, from whence you are fallen, and repent, and do the first works. And I, or else I will come unto thee quickly, and will remove thy candlestick out of the place, except you repent. Father, we pray today that the word of God would come and just illumine our lives today. We thank you for this weekend. We thank you for time of celebration, time of reflection of all of your faithfulness through the years. But God, we're, we are on the precipice of time. We're leaning into the future with anticipation and with the hope of great success in Christ. And so I pray that the word of God would come and illumine every heart here and that you would help us to see things that we need to see and hear today so we can make the journey and not just barely get over the finish line, but we can run through the tape at the end of the race. Help us, Lord, we pray. Open our eyes that we might see things today that are eternal. In Jesus' name. Everybody said? I know your works. I know your labor. I know your patience. These were not people that were all out of focus here in Ephesus. They're being commended for not growing weary. They, they, they operated in discernment and, and, and kind of found out those that were not legit. So they had discernment. But the scripture says their sin was that they left their first love. They had allowed their devotion to Christ to become a mixture. And then it tells us the way back. It says, remember, repent, and do the first works. 
remember, we're anniversary, we're remembering the goodness of God, what he did in the old building and these people and celebrating lives. But it says to repent here and to do the first works. I'm not sharing this today because I, I've been set up to say this or I anticipate that there are problems. It's better to share a word in peacetime. I've learned that, okay? And so just let God equip you because the difficulty in Christianity is not getting out of the race blocks to start the race. It's to finish with success. And so we're all en route. We're, we're, we're moving towards the prize of the high calling of God in Christ Jesus. Remember, repent, and do the first works. And so I'd like to spend a little time on the first works. Those, those are the things that you did when you were saved, when you were freshly saved. You were brand new. You kind of had that glow about you. I remember when I got saved, I woke up the next day, and I was thinking about God all the time. I knew something had dramatically taken place. Nobody got me in the back room of a church and pushed the Bible down and instructed me with all kinds of principles. It was, it was not force feed. It was just a regeneration where my spirit became joined to God. Because when you accept Christ into your life, your spirit is dead before that. It becomes joined to God. And all of a sudden, you have this conduit from heaven and this hunger in your heart. And you begin a search because now you're able to ingest truth, now that the prince of life dwells in your life, see? Those first baby steps. So it's not, it's, not, it's not getting out of the blocks that's hard to do as a Christian, but it's to continue with success and with a great attitude and make it all the way across the finish line. Because trust me, through things, through obstacles, annoyances, grievances, offenses. You might find yourself on the outside and you can't quite figure out how you got there. Not quite sure how you got there. The off-ramps of the Christian highway are plenteous. Many excuses to back off in the process of time, but they always lead to a cul-de-sac which is a great place to live, but there's no traffic. That's why you like to live there. But not if you're moving in the things of God. All of a sudden, the off-ramp, and you don't know how to get back on sometimes. You see, there's, there's no clear roadmap of becoming offended. It's a twisty, gnarly, bumpy, hurtful road that ends up by a sewer somewhere. It's awful. You're not happy there. You're not content there. There's unrest. And the devil makes sure that you cannot easily figure your way back. But one of the first things you did when you got saved is that regeneration happened in your heart. Your spirit became joined to God. And you began to search out. You have a homing device inside of you. And you're searching out for fellowship, for body of Christ. You don't even know what to put words on it. But you're, just, you're, just, you're looking for gathering. You're looking for that expression. Because somehow you know, as complete as you feel in Christ, you're not complete without others. 
I mean, let's face it. Before you're saved, even when you got drunk, you did it in a bar with other people. You know what I'm saying? Even when you sinned good, you did it in crowds. But that was tainted. You were lost. You didn't know your way. Now you know. And so now that you have Christ, you know, and, and then you're on a search, and, and you're beginning to look for a place. It's called the body of Christ, the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones. There's something that's drawing you to them. Now, if you've been burnt a lot through relationships, there's a repulsion there. And so there's some things you have to work through in your own heart. So it makes spiritual sense if the body of Christ is the, is, is the vehicle that brings you to maturity, it, it, it makes clear spiritual sense that the devil would put all of his chips in the corner of getting you offended with it. Because he knows if you stay in there long enough, you're going to come to fruition. You're going to find out the promises of God are yea and amen. You're going to grow. You're going to go through things. You're going to have bumps and twists and different things are going to take place. But he's going to do everything he can to get you outside of that environment. To cut you off. You heard what I said on Friday night, the first revelation. Paul, the number one persecutor of the early church through his own religious zeal, was smitten on the Damascus throne, on his back, pinned by the glory of God, looking up. He knew it was God. He said, Lord. He called him Lord. He knew immediately this was God. Who are you? And the first revelation that Paul got was, I am Jesus whom you are persecuting. Jesus had already ascended. He wasn't persecuting the bodily Jesus that suffered on the cross. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. And so the revelation of the church goes all the way through the New Testament and all the writings of Paul. I am Jesus whom you're persecuting. The church is the body of Jesus. Now the scripture says, weaving together the word here today, in 2 Peter it says, make your calling and election sure so that you will never fall. I believe there's a war that goes on the moment that you get saved, a war to stifle you, to dwarf you, to get offended. And it's largely towards the local church. That makes spiritual sense. It's against the house of God. I mean, when you think about the concept of the church, it's really a pretty simple proposition. A bunch of people that have had an experience with Christ who come together and want to love one another. Pretty simple, it seems. But the warfare, oh, it's amazing. These people are getting together to love God, to honor God, to love one another. Really simple. Because the church, the body of Christ, is made up of living stones. We know that. We've been taught in that. But these stones are imperfect they're under construction. But I'm here to tell you today, you're the only one that can make your attachment to the house of God strong. Your wife can't do it. Your husband can't do it. Your mama can't do it. You make the decision how strong your attachment is to the house of God. And so when you begin to come to a church, you begin to find committing. And I, I was talking to several new people in the context of this weekend. Just said, the moment I came into this church eight years ago, I just knew I was home. 
God's real good at showing you where you belong. You think you get to choose it, but you do, but really, no. He places you as it pleases him. He places you in the body of Christ. Okay? And everything begins to function. I've used this analogy all over the world as I've ministered. Not that I've ministered all over the world, but in many places. Dr. Kim, who's not here today because her family has some type of an event going on. But Dr. Kim, I was teaching in one of our Bible survey classes or something years and years ago. And he said, you know, the body, the, the, the organs in your body are very, very interesting. They're trying to put in, you know, synthetic organs into people's body. But the more that we study it, the more that we realize that each organ is a chemical factory. And so when the spleen is next to the liver, which I'm not sure it is, but let's pretend a minute, okay? <laughs> it, it, they're gonna, they, the spleen does a function and the liver does a function, but they spur each other on because there's enzymes being emitted in both directions. Think about that in the context of what's happening here. People around you, you're complete in Christ, you have a complete experience, but you're incomplete to his fullness. So you need the enzymes and you need the life of those around you. We come from a, a, a ridiculously secularized world that is, everybody's found their little hole in the wall that they can regress to. And when you come in to the body of Christ, God begins to turn that in the other direction. Okay? And so to come into a church and to submit to a church and to not just attend there, you see, it's a big difference. Um, I attend New Testament church, or New Testament church is my church. Big difference. Okay. Pastor Greg is the pastor. He preached her, young man, vivacious, got a great family. He's the pastor of the church I attend. World's difference is Pastor Greg is my pastor. Big difference. Only you can make that decision. Nobody can get into your closet and trip any of those levers that make that happen. It's you. And so when we come into a church, we begin to submit, we begin to learn about that. And so we need to honor God that we love who saved us on our Damascus road, come on, by honoring those in authority over us. Jesus said, if you've done this to the least of these, my brethren, you've done it unto me. Honor them, the scripture says very clearly, that labor in the word. They're worthy of double honor. How do I honor in my church? This is very simple today. How you honor your leadership is participation. Making investments of your times and giftings. You do things that you deem to be lower than your pay grade. You're a big shot in the world. You own a business, but you come into the church and you might start out cleaning the bathroom. I don't know what they do around here. But you just submit. You just, you just plug in. You've got to plug in. Participation. I contend and I go on the record that if you're not serving somewhere in the church, contributing your service, your time, and your gifting, you're not really submitted there. Now, I know that flies in the faith, face of, of present-day philosophy of living, but we're talking about the scriptures. This works in every generation. Well, I'm too busy. Well, unbusy some things. See? 
Begin to open your life up. Begin to plug in, to really plug in. Active participation. You know, John 3, 16, we all know that one. God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. But then if we go over to 1 John 3, 16. 1 John 3, 16, where are you? 1 John 3, 16, hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us. We ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. Aha! John 3.16, Revelation, that was done largely by God moving to find you. Now, you had to cooperate, you had to agree and come in. But 1 John 3.16 is a revelation of the body of Christ. That you're called to lay down your life for the brethren. And there's people that are kind of missing the boat because they don't understand that. You're kind of in a dangerous position because before long, as a recipient of the grace of God, with a good heart, it's, it's entirely possible to become exalted and sit in the chair of judgment about people, procedures, even the direction of your church eventually. You got along so well with everybody when you first came in because you didn't know anybody. But once you become familiar, you begin to see the clay feet or the, 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 the impairments or, oh, I, I don't appreciate how that person treated my child or whatever the case might be. We got all these touchy-feely tentacles in America out there, just like everything has to be felt need, you know what I mean? Keep coddling me. You don't grow in the kingdom that way. Now, God doesn't slap you up. He's very kind. Okay? But he puts people in your life. That's why if you're in the church, and I'm sure there's people this way. I'm sure this is not a perfect church, I think. That there are people that rub you the wrong way. <laughs> Don't look around. Look straight forward. They rub you the wrong way. Isn't it interesting? The quality in them that rubs you the wrong way probably reminds you of you. So what God does in his infinite eternal economy, he's got a giant hypo needle of you. And he injects it into your situation because he's healing you of you by being exposed to a measure of it in another person. So rather than quickly judging the other person, what a rotten person that person. God, are you showing me something? There's floating mirrors around in the church. And every now and again, you get a glimpse of yourself. And as you age, you might get portly. That's a polite way of saying heavy or fat. And you notice people that are chubbier, we don't like mirrors. We, I put me in there. You know, you walk by and you go, hmm? You know what I mean? Well, your character, there's mirrors. The word of God is like a reflecting mirror. In the, and so, and, and you're with brethren, and you get a little shot of yourself. Yeah. See? But that's reality. Church isn't just, we all hold hands and just sing and look up. No. No, we're growing together. We're learning how to love one another. 
there's rubbings that happen. Years ago, my wife is a pro at going uh, garage sailing and flea markets and that kind of thing. And uh, we were at one, or I think she might have gone by herself. <laughs> anyway, uh, and she, she, uh, she brought it home. It was all yellow. It's this ugly little thing. But she, she looked inside and she saw the grain. And she saw that it was pure oak. It was kind of like a really nice piece. And so what happened, you know what happened, she put the stripper on it, and she put some arm strength into it and got all the yellow off and then put a coating of uh, veneer on it. And uh, we have this beautiful piece. Now, you and I, when we come into the church, we're, we are the ugly yellow drawer case. And I need the rubbings of people around me. Iron sharpeneth iron, so a person will sharpen the countenance of their friend. Well, if the first time you get rubbed, you get offended, we're trying to deliver you is what God's saying. We're trying to bring you to your full redemptive value and power and grace because the world through sin put this cheap layer of stuff on you. It wasn't even good paint. And he just put that layer over you and you've allowed your adult life perhaps to become defined by that layer. And you come into the house of God. Come on. We have all these beautiful pieces here in the church because we're submitting to the process and letting God deal with our hearts the rubbings that take place. Rubbings that take place and we just, you know, and so we, we, we serve the bread. We don't just enjoy John 3.16. We grow into 1 John 3.16 where we lay down our lives. It costs me something. You see, my father had a restaurant in Ogdensburg called Wimpy's Inn, which is no longer exists. My dad is in heaven. And when I was in seventh grade, I made the French fries. They're kind of like Five Guys fries. I mean, really good ones, you know if you didn't notice, but anyway. <clears throat> but I pick up this 50-pound bag and pour it in, and my father had this really old-fashioned, everything he had was old, but anyhow, he had this really old-fashioned potato peeler, was this big thing, and it had this, we had this a hose, and we put cold water in the top, we pour the potatoes in, and you flip the lever, and the bottom grate is filled with sandpaper, and it just, it just keeps rotating. And the, the potatoes will bubble to the top and then tumble. And so here they all are, in a way, unedible, because I happen to like them with their skins. That's apparent. Anyway, um, but let, let's just pretend that they're not edible because there's soil on it or whatever. You come back in about three minutes, all the potatoes are white. Now you can take them out and you can make them into the french fries. We come into the house of God, our ministry is not edible. But we stay in the house. We let God work. And he puts the cool water of the Holy Spirit on the whole thing. And douses us. And we're being cleansed in the process of these rubbings and rotatings. Sometimes we get a little dizzy. But you know what? God's at work in my life. And if I have any success in my life as a Christian or ministry, it's because I stayed in the house of God. I let him work on me. I shared the story about a pastor that totally rebuked me and missed it by a thousand miles and had an opportunity to get offended that day and go 
cha-chink, I'm done with the local church, or just say, God, I'm believing you in the local church. Hit me again if you need to. You're getting at something in me. I have an exaggerated sense of self-importance that will taint whatever I do in the future now that I look back. And God had to get on that horse called Tom Wells. And he had to ride me. But he brought me into a church and he brought me to a measure of brokenness. And so the first thing is to plug in and your participation. The next way I honor the leadership of the house is by honoring the Lord with the giving of the first fruits of all my increase. How is tithing honoring my leaders? I'm honoring the house by engaging my finance to propel the vision of the church forward that Jesus gave us. It's ingenious. It's, it's un, all the people that have been affected by grace fund the Great Commission. We're given the Great Commission, and it's funded by, as we break the power of mammon over our own life and give God the first fruits. See, tithing hurts because tipping ain't bad. You know what I mean? But tithing, it's just enough to kill me. Because at first, it doesn't work, it looks like. When Gail and I first got saved, when I first moved back to northern New York, I was making $200 a week, which was decent money at Eastman Kodak Company, in emulsion research. My father offered me a job for $100 a week at Wimpy's. I took it on a heartbeat because I knew it was God. We lived higher on $100 than we did $200 in Rochester. The provision that was released. And a tithe wasn't a tithe on the net. The tithe was on the growth. Gross. It's only a few bucks anyway. Give it to God. If you're ever halting between two numbers, be a big guy and a big girl. You're dealing with God. With the measure that you meet with all, it shall be measured to you again. The measure that you use to bless other people or bless the house of God, God takes that ruler off your desk and he uses it to measure back to your life. So you need more blessing? Bless more. You need more provision? Give more. Now, none of this is mechanical. No one has the right to tell you you have to do it. It's a voluntary submission. But I believe that by serving, listen carefully, and by giving God the first fruits of your increase, you are inoculating your spirit from getting offended. You're inoculating yourself. I was Dave Converse's pastor. He's in heaven now. He's a part of the folklore of this church. He fed Igor and all the things, that he, the good works that he did. He was a coach in, 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 uh, in this town. He was renowned. I don't know, Ronnie, tell me if I'm wrong, but I don't ever remember Dave Converse getting offended at anything. You see, when you do these things, there's no landing strip in your heart for the enemy to land. You're inoculating your own spirit. Because there's a release in your life and the enemy can't attach himself to that through a petty issue. Well, I don't like that they're reaching out to Uganda. I, I think that they should do it to South America. Whoop-dee-doo. 
Whatever, the, whatever it is, it just it doesn't have any power over you anymore. Okay? There's no landing strip for those offenses. And so covenant together with your church and with your leaders to never to be a part of any gainsaying of leaders. Because if the devil wants to slow down the church, he's going to attack the headship. Figure it out. You know, the Bible protects leaders. It says, don't receive an accusation against an elder unless there be two or three witnesses. And you're all proud of yourself now that you counted up and you have four. The, Bi the Bible put that in there, not because they're perfect, it's because they're not. And I'm sharing this right now when it's not an issue. Everybody loves these guys. Everybody loves her. There's total unity in this church. But we need to arm ourselves with the scripture because we know how the enemy operates. And so, any gainsaying come up and try to take a shot at someone in leadership? I have no part of that. That is spiritual suicide. Are you kidding me? You need to settle that with that person alone. Thank you very much. And so I want to just solicit today for you to give all of your prayer support and your support of your heart and support of your activity and who you are to the house of God to make it a success. The reason that we're here today is because of some of the old timers that we have given some praise to here uh, in this congregation who stayed by the stuff for years. And you folks that have come in are so appreciative that other people laid down some things to be able to make this all possible. But guess what? We're leaning into the future for what's coming. I heard the vision, the big corridor, million people, river, highway, highway, highway. That's a big chunk of turf. And so God is enlarging the heart of this church to be able to see that take place. So get on board and, and grow with what God's doing in this house. You know, sometimes pastors can be wrong. They don't have a bad heart. They can miss it. They have to make judgment calls. But I always remember the, the picture of Noah's sons. You know the story in the book of Genesis. Noah got a little bit inebriated, and it appears from what the scripture says, he was not uh, dressed appropriately as he was in his, uh, so he was not in the best place. One son came in and exposed his nakedness, and we follow the biblical line of that. That family line was not blessed. The other two sons put a sheet over the corner of their shoulder and went in backwards. Am I saying that we condone things, in a, a, a sin in a person's life? No, but we cover them. We cover them, okay? And so if we have that mindset... We're here to cover you and protect you. Come on, they got five kids. Amazing, just amazing what's being undertaken here. But the throttle of this church, it's revving up, folks. You know, you used to have a 90 horsepower when I was here. Don Curry came in, you had a, a 200 horsepower. <laughs> now you've got four 400 horsepower in its potential. And past obedience and decisions have helped make it so that we don't have too much drag on the boat.
and we can really fly into our destiny. And that's for you. And you're here for such a time as that. And so the enemy will test your allegiance. It's not during peacetime. It's when there's an issue. Never engage in the idle chatter of discontent. We first started this church, I believe it was on Street. maybe it was here, but some Christian went out and put these flyers on all of the cars uh, taking a shot at us that the King James Bible is the only Bible. Yeah, well, we, we were using the King James Bible, but the enemy was trying to find a spot to land, to agitate. As soon as a baby is born, Dr. Kim spoke up in another teaching session. We were talking about spiritual warfare. Dr. Kim spoke up. You know, it is proven that when a baby comes down the birth canal, as soon as it hits air, millions of germs attack it. That's a prophetic picture of when you're born again, the enemy immediately tries to thwart and hinder. But you stay in the church, you're protected. There's a shower. There's a refreshing that comes from the brethren around you. I live 60 miles from Niagara Falls. Interesting thing about Niagara Falls, you can smell it, feel it, and hear it long before you see it. And there's a constant flow of water molecules. It's, 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 it's like a wonder of the world because of the splash and all of that. That's a picture of the house. You come into the house of God, you start getting hit with a spray. Oh, baby, this is nice. Hallelujah. Get off your bad attitude. Enjoy the shower. You're refreshed. Out of your innermost being shall flow rivers of living water. So as we all worship, we're spouting. There's an artesian effect of the grace of God. We lift up our voices. And as you stand there, you don't feel it. You don't get wet because I don't want my shirt to get wrinkled. It's not that. You're getting refreshed in your spirit. The flow of people around you. It can be a hard process at times as you go through things. There will be times that will be difficult, but you hang by the stuff. You hang by the stuff. You do the first works. Go back to the first works. My wife encouraged me that. We live in Virginia Beach now, 450,000 people. I don't know anybody, hardly. We go to a church. They're all younger people. They're not in the same place. Don't have all these old-timers that we can go out to eat without kids. You know what I'm talking about? Anyway, um, and so we're not having tons of fellowship. We're going after it. But she, my wife said, well, why don't you start sharing with our neighbors a little bit more? You know? Why don't you? You used to do that all the time. See, there's a refreshing there. You do the first works. Pretty simple. Nobody gets to define what that is to you. You know what your first works were. What you did. I couldn't wait to open my Bible in the morning. This is the first book I ever got that didn't have pictures in it. I was a decent student, but I was a jock. I didn't really like to read or study. And I got this book with all these words in it. But I couldn't wait to get in it because Jesus is in it. Feeding and nurturing. You're a part of a healthy expression. There's great destiny here. 
Let go of offenses. Some of you today, this might just be a, perform, a, a, a warning of what might be impending, but others are here. Perhaps you're in the grip of something. You have the first stages of spiritual regression. And I'm here to tell you, as a voice from the past through the prophetic corridor of time in time and space on June 20th, 2021, remember, repent, and do the first works. And your destiny, you'll slide right into all that God has for you. I'd like the worship team to come up now. Let's all stand together. Father, we love you today. We thank you for your mercy, for your grace. We thank you for every life here. We thank you for all the living stones that are here today. Some are older stones. Some are younger stones. Some are brand new. Some have been around for a long, long time. But Father, we thank you that each one of us has value and purpose. And we thank you for the breath of life that's in this church. We thank you for this prophetic weekend of celebration of 40 years and, and, and what you're calling us to. And, and, and we thank you for the counsel of the scriptures today that I can do something as insurance to make sure my life hits the mark, that I'm in it for the long haul. We thank you for that today. Let the counsel and the light of your word go into every life today, Father. We bless you in this place. We, pay, we, we pray right now for Pastor Greg and his wife and, and, the, and the whole leadership team in the name of Jesus. And we hold them up to you, Lord Jesus. And we ask for more grace, more refreshing. Bless their homes. Bless their children. Bless them, God, we pray. We honor you and love you. And give us ears to hear today that we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. And we give you the right to define what that means in our personal lives. We thank you for that today. You are faithful, God. Let's just lift our hands to heaven right now. Oh, Lord, we just oblige the grace of God today. We just yield to you. We just yield to you today, God. Bring refreshing from heaven, we ask. Fresh rain. We break perhaps some people here that have been stuck in things. We break that today. We take dominion over it through the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. We, we speak refreshing. We pray this. We go into this summer season up here in St. Lawrence Valley. God, that you will just continue to do great things. That you'll energize every life because all of us are important we love you father we love you father we love you father we're going to sing a chorus now let's just worship
submit to you today. God, for those of us who have followed you for years, God, we want to remember that first initial just laying down of our lives to say, God, we don't want to go our own way anymore. We want to follow you. God, we want to remember what you've done in us. God, we want to change our mind. We want to repent. God, we want to turn our direction and turn our thinking towards you. And we want to do what you've called us to do, God. Do what you taught us at the beginning, Jesus. So, Father, every one of us in this room, we just submit to you, Jesus. We submit to the call that you have over a church, God, over your body. To represent you in this world, Jesus. To represent the nature of our Father in heaven. So that others can come to know the grace that you have for them. Father, we thank you for what you're doing this week. And God, we thank you for the celebration. God, we thank you for these prophetic words really imparted into us, God, from Scripture and from our friends, Father. But God, we want to receive every bit of it, God. God, don't let us hold you at arm's length. God, we let you in this morning to put your finger on our lives in any way you see fit, Jesus. So, Father, we just, again, we say we submit. We love you, Jesus. We thank you for what you're doing. In Jesus' name, amen. Listen, if God's doing something in you today, I say this every week, but I can't tell you the power behind our spoken words. That's why I say this every week. If God's doing something in you, tell someone. The reason is because when we speak something out that God has done, it solidifies it. It makes it real. Because there's power in our words. So I really want to admonish you. If God's doing something today, if he's stirring in your heart in some way, tell, tell someone near you. Tell, tell your loved one. Tell your significant other. I don't care who you tell. Tell somebody what God is speaking to you, how he's moving in you today. Amen? Amen. Be blessed. Have a wonderful day. Thank you so much for celebrating. We'll see you soon. Thank you for listening to NTC Messina's podcast. We hope you join us next week and have a blessed day.